Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of Between the Lines. Today, I have decided to bring back a previous guest for a couple of reasons. First, she was my very first interview. And secondly, although it was a good interview, it was done in a live setting. Therefore, it was an uncontrolled interview. Today, we are in a more controlled space. So I thought it would be fair to bring her back at the conclusion of season two. She started season one. She's ending season two. And uh, with that said, let me introduce my next guest. Hello, Terry, and welcome back to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. It's nice to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, actually. Uh, You've done so much for the show and you still do so much for the show. I say welcome back, but it's in a way you've never left. (laughs) what has happened in the last year since your first interview (laughs) oh my it's been exciting after six years of living in the motorhome and spending summers in the Yukon uh, we actually moved to Vancouver Island Uh, spent the four four months over the winter uh, at a gorgeous um, RV park, Oceanside, Living Forest, Oceanside RV. I I love the name because it just, it was just gorgeous. The reason we moved to, now we live in Ladysmith, and the reason we moved here is uh, we became grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a granddaughter named Lily, and she's the light of our lives, and we are privileged to be able to be a big part of her life. We're only 20 minutes away, and we spend lots of time with her and her parents. So we're on another adventure, a new adventure. A new adventure. So you're not far from Nanaimo either then, are you? No, we're, yeah, Ladysmith's about 20 minutes away. The highway is just down the road from where we live. That's south, I think, isn't it, from Nanaimo? Yep, yep. I used to live in Ladysmith. Oh, what? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Back in the 80s, I actually, I was a... Uh, a resident at the Island Tent and Trailer Park in Ladysmith. Oh, holy cow. <laughs> it's such a small world, isn't it? Yes. So anything else you want to add? Um, well, the motorhome's up for sale. Oh, yeah, we're okay. not, not going to do any more traveling that way. We're, mm-hmm. And then we're going to wait till the flying airplane thing gets sorted out. What about your gold panning up in the, uh, the, the Yukon? Uh, that's actually, my husband wants to do one more trip up there. To you know, drive drive up to Dempster to 
the Inuvik and go the Alaska route. When you, when you drive up there for work, and then it's like shoulder seasons uh, where nothing's open, It's we want to do a trip during the, the summer where everything's open and it's warm and, and we can drive up the Dempster and we can drive the Alaska Highway. So one more trip probably is in the works, but we'll probably do it next year in our truck and not a motorhome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just coming out of the uh, midnight sun season. Yes. Yeah. This is the time when it's it's starting to get cold again and dark at dark earlier. So I Dawson, do miss it though. It's it's such a beautiful setting to to write in. Dawson City's on my bucket list. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I think every Canadian should visit it. Well, absolutely. Well, my one of my favorite authors uh, pretty much resides oh, yeah. up there. Robert Service. As you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if there's uh, nothing else you want to add, let's move uh, right into part one, which, uh, as I, as everybody knows by now, I call question period. And this uh-huh. is where I get to ask you pertinent questions about all things writing and of course these are all free selected by you except for maybe one or two Uh, are you ready yes all right question number one terry do you think it's important for anyone who thinks they're a writer to get education for it people that write for fun i don't think they need much more than imagination and determination and access to pen and paper or computer. But if you want to write for others, uh, there's definitely value in learning more about the craft. I, I, I've never stopped learning about how to improve my writing. It's each book I, I write as a challenge to me, like, okay, this one, I'm going to, I'm going to work on adding more layers to the characters and I'm, I believe education is really important if you want to write seriously, especially if you want to be published. And even if you learn more about, you know, grammar and, and sentence structure and stuff, it'll save you a whole lot of time when you're editing. Uh, of course, I'm I'm the kind of writer that edits as I go. Mm-hmm. And I've tried not to, but it's it keeps my thoughts clear. So I don't really get the flow as much as I want. It almost goes against conventional wisdom, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. I can speak the speak, but I can't write the write. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. Going back to something you said, though, who do you write for? Do you write for yourself or do you write for other people? I write for myself first and foremost. And that's the challenge I put to myself is uh, when I when I read, you know, different writing tips or, you know, I don't know, other other tips that it inspires me in my own writing. So first and foremost, I write for me as a challenge and just to, you know, the fun of putting together a story. But I have a small readership that I also write for. And I and it's small because I, okay, well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> Marketing sucks. <laughs> but I know my audience and they're the same as me. So it makes writing so much more pleasurable because I can write for myself knowing I have people that also like the way I write. 
And that makes so, sense yeah. to some degree. And it makes sense to you that that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't make much sense. Or you're like me as a writer. I don't make any sense at all. I don't even make dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Those dollar signs. My my poor husband's still waiting for the bestseller. You know as well as I do that there are people, writers, who write for the sake of making a living from it. And there are others who just write because of the love of it. And if they sell it, great. If not, hey, this is what I've done. Which one are you? Oh, I'm definitely the one that um, isn't focused on making money. I can't be, I can't, because I can't do the work to make it pay. It takes a lot of work. I know some authors and they are just doing great because they are getting out there and they're promoting and they're, you know, they're on, on all the social media and stuff like that. But it takes a lot of time and I'd rather be writing or cuddling my granddaughter. There's the balance to my life that yeah. I, I hold dear. Marketing is a full-time job for writers. Yes, I think so. If you want to, if you want to be successful or, or known, I think there's definitely work involved. It's like one of my uh, one of the sayings I always say is I I don't write for profit I profit from writing and that's only only to only to say that the profit from writing is that it makes me better. Yes, see that's where the education comes in, where I'm writing to learn more about writing, which is to me is a lot of fun. I can't quite loop that around to. <laughs> Your your good saying, your saying works. Never mind mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on to question two. And I totally forget we said any of that. I'll probably end anyway. <laughs> How much of yourself would you say goes into something you've written? Oh gosh, a lot. I think all these books I'm writing are either dreams of mine, like things that, well, with my latest book, Hidden Gems, it's about 10 strangers who win a luxury, luxurious home in a, an exclusive gated community from a contest they don't remember entering. So for me, I when we were looking for a house when we lived in Kelowna, we'd, I'd see these you know lovely little houses and good price, but they were in a gated community, 55 plus. And that was before I, I hit that magical number. And I remember just feeling like, oh, that's no fair. Look at all the fun they're having. They have a pool and they have a, you know, an activity center and, and they look like they're having happy hours and stuff that went into this book because that was my, what if. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. And Tess, um, the main character Tess is an 11 year old girl. Doesn't really want to grow up. And she, I think I put a, She's probably a lot like me. And I haven't, my, one of my aunts actually asked, she says, does that a little Terry I see in that book? And I'm like, mm, probably. And then she says, and is that your brother, Steve, who's that 10 year old friend? And I'm like, mm, you know what? I think it is. And I had so much fun writing those two characters. And I think that's why, because when he was little, he was a, he was a little monkey. But we got along so well because he was, he brought out my, my less serious side. He was, anyway, Tess was a fun book to write because of that. 
You brought up another question, one that I, I typically try to weasel in anyway, but when you're writing or when you create a character, how many of people that you know, friends, family, whatever, do you borrow characteristics from to put into your characters? Yes, sometimes something something will click. I don't have like a list of characteristics or things, but there are there have been some because people I meet there's something that stands out I'll kind of remember that so yeah there's there's other people in my books too that but just little bits there's never a full character uh, that's that comes through I get in a lot of trouble if that was the case (laughs) you kind of touched on this by by saying this but uh, has anybody ever read anything and said hey that's me no but I once had a friend that I told was inspired by them but when I reread the parts it it didn't really match <laughs> so <laughs> they read the book for nothing <laughs> well, not for nothing that's another story for another interview how many writing how many writing projects do you have on the go at any one time uh right now i have i'm i'm writing a sequel to hidden gems and i have i started a sequel to tess and i've got two or three short stories that are always on the back burner and I'll go and and dabble on those for a bit if I'm kind of stuck with the stories but Tess is kind of on the back burner lately too because with Hidden Gems just being published in May it's still fresh in my memory and I want to take advantage of that because I still know the characters and you know they're just coming off of this one story and now I'm putting them into another situation so it's a it's definitely easier but I, I'm still taking care to, to not rush through it mm. because that can, that can just lead to just the shallow book. It's not doing justice to the first book. That's always hard too. following up on a, on a first book is I did that with uh, Ar- Arcadia deception and flight control. Flight control was the sequel and it was actually really hard to write, mm. but it's, it it turned out pretty good, but I haven't I haven't mentioned that book to anybody in a long time. <laughs> Although I have I met a friend here that actually bought all four of my books and was very excited. So that was after a little bit of of um, convincing me to to sell them. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why I stick to poetry. You don't have to worry about keeping up with the story. Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, What is your writing goal? My writing goal is to keep writing until I write the best novel of my ever. It means I'll be writing until I can't anymore. And there'll probably be a few unfinished projects when I'm gone. But I'm just, I just want to keep writing until I reach my own pinnacle of success in, you know, looking at a book and going oh my god this this was perfect but then of course no <laughs> that's perfect but wait there's more <laughs> but wait there's more yeah so until you reach your zenith or your your apex of what you think you're capable of until you yeah. find yourself wanting to uh push yourself beyond that yes because that's yeah. all that's all writers I do think, is push themselves beyond yeah that's that's the you know like where they they push the carrot further away Mm -hmm. you always are striving 
to reach that, but that's why I figure I, you know, I'm trying to write to my best ability for as long as I can. That's basically my goal, I think. So they pry that pen out of your cold, dead hand. Yep. <laughs> or or the move that keyboard from your cold, dead finger. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> well, that sounds morbid, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, you know, borrowing from uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. A pantser, plotter, or, or planster, which do you primarily adhere to in your writing? A plotter. plotter. I thought for a while there I was a planter, but plotter. It I I definitely need that guideline. I use the hero's journey um, to start out to plot the story and create the scenes, and then go back, you know, back and forth filling in different scenes as I get inspiration. And but without a without an outline, I would just write and write and write, and go off on tangents which can be a lot of fun and I can sometimes get some good material from it, but it doesn't help me move the story forward. So I definitely need to plot it and kind of stay, but I, I never, I know the ending, but sometimes the ending changes. Either there's a, is that because of the characters uh, doing or. Yeah. Yeah. The characters will take charge. And suddenly I'm there, the idea that I had for them, they're, they're off on a different journey. That's not what Which, I meant for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, but this sounds better. Okay. We'll go with this then. See how far it goes. <laughs> now you, you, you mentioned something I want to go back to, uh, a hero's journey. What's that? Oh, that's, uh, Joseph Campbell's. I read that book years and years ago and. It all the Disney movies follow the hero's journey where there, you know, there's a glimpse of the home world and then there's a call to adventure. And then sometimes they, they refuse that call, but then something in their home world changes and they kind of have to, or they decide they want to go on the adventure. What else is there? There's a, a spiritual guide or somebody that helps lead you through the adventure. And then, of course, there's, you know, tests because you, your character has to have a goal and, and like obstacles and yeah. 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 So then there's the, you know, different steps along the way. And then there, the one that you're coming down and it's all, all hope is lost. Mm-hmm. You can kind of picture in some of the, the uh, Disney movies where, you know, everything they've tried just isn't working and then and they can't slay the dragon or they can't get out of this pit of despair. But then they use something from their their virtues or flaws or whatever and they get themselves out. So it's a really good guideline, uh, especially for first time writers to kind of get them on the right path to make a cohesive story. Because if you just start writing a story thinking, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll just write it and go for it. Without any structure, it can get away from you because it, I, it, that's happened to me where it gets so long and you think you can kind of, you know, fix scenes and move scenes to get it to work. But holy, I'm doing a lot of scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> so from everything that you've written and published, how much would you say you have left over back in the, you know, your back pages? 
that oh, you saw the light of day. Oh, hidden gems. I was working on that for over three years. And that was the one I was challenging myself to, you know, really deepen the characters. And, and I started out with a, a male main character. And after like 70,000 words, I decided to switch it to a female main character. Oh, yes. No. And, and then I just kept writing and writing and writing to, to develop these characters and put them in situations. And I got up to hundred and almost 170,000 words, which was more than enough for two novels. And I then decided that it wasn't, I couldn't put it into two novels because the main character's story art for the, for that first story, story it couldn't go th- over two novels. So I edited and edited and edited, <laughs> and oh my God, it went down to 45,000 words. I was ruthless, but man, was it fun. I I loved, I have a lot of leftovers, especially from Hidden Gems. And so far, I haven't actually used any of that in my sequel, which is interesting. All that time I spent <laughs> writing those thousands of words, and Yeah. So do you plan on using any of that leftover? Well, now that I mention it, I might take a look at it. <laughs> You're <What's> welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what area of your writing do you think needs the most improvement? Oh, story development. I, I, I find it hard to build a story around characters. I think because finding conflict, like, but also, I have to know my characters well enough to just to figure out what what would cause them to, you know, react badly to some conflict. So I think that's probably been my problem before is not knowing my characters well enough and just throwing them into something. I'm hoping that's with the sequel. This is where I'm challenging myself is to use the characters, knowing them. And then creating interesting conflicts that that will set off a domino effect because they all will react differently. They'll all, you know, choose something different. In saying that, I have a big cast. Uh, like it's the 10 strangers from that are now friends from the gated community, plus a few add-ons. But I, and, and with Hidden Gems book, I had four different point of views. This one, I'm I'm whittling it down to trying to whittle it to two, but I don't think I can. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be three three points of view, you know, alternating chapters, which gives a deeper look into each of their characters. And I like doing that because I still haven't quite figured out how to do omniscient without being just a storyteller. Because mm. omniscient, you can just you know, tell everything and anything about what they're thinking and what their motivation is. You don't even have to have your your characters even say anything. Right. But nobody that. wants to read a book where it's just telling. I read one like that and I just it I found it hard to finish. <laughs> well from the um, omniscient point of view, uh you 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 can tell past, present and future at any given point you want too. Yes. Yeah, so that's a lot of power and a lot of responsibility to write a good book using that. So I, I tend to use the third third person limited point of view. 
which is one character will be focused on one or one chapter will be focused on one character and only seen through their eyes and what they're thinking. Mm. So that's why I like having three because then I can have three characters covering the rest of the characters, you know, like kind of having one of the secondary or tertiary characters, you know, tell the other character something that adds to the story as opposed to nobody knowing what they're thinking because they're, they're just in the background. So that's actually another part that I'm working on is the point of view, how like I want to experiment with writing differently, Mm -hmm. like maybe omniscient or maybe I I think um, nowadays I like first person point of view is quite popular, but I, yeah. That's because everything is about me. Me, me, me. Yes. Yeah. Going back to that, uh, what was it, the hero's journey and stuff, have you ever heard of the snowflake method? Yes. Yeah, actually, I've tried that too. And uh, it works really good because, and actually, I've done that for chapters where, because you have the main main idea and then you can expand, like have all of, all of the ideas off of that just to just to kind of brainstorm but I, I think that's a really good method I've never used it for for actual whole novel but I've used that to kind of push push my brainstorming and just throw out like even the silliest silliest ideas you never know where they go to right yeah yeah yep yeah what do you consider the hardest part about your writing journey so far is it the the writing is it the publishing or is it like everybody else the marketing (laughs) we're all in this together yeah (laughs) marketing is such a nuisance Uh, and it's not even just for writers it's for artists my daughter's a wonderful talented artist who would just love to be painting and but you know marketing is part of the part of getting the getting your stuff out there so I gave up on I gave up on it early on I don't actively promote my books mainly because I can't do it well and to do it properly can cost money and it definitely takes time Mm. so I yeah I and I'm I'm still I still kind of wish word of mouth worked better than it does it used to work great, and I still I still rely on word of, word of mouth to find books to read. And Goodreads is is kind of like a word of mouth. You know, your, your list of friends, and you'll see you'll see what they're reading, and and be able to pick stuff. My my oldest daughter and I are always sharing books. She'll she'll call up and say, "Oh, I was thinking of you, and I read this book. You got to read it." And, you know, within seconds, I'll download it on my Kindle and start, and start reading it. I'm always looking for for recommendations. So it's it's kind of sad that... Well, I can give you 10 books of poetry to I can recommend to you. They're all the same. Well, I, already, I already have those. You were so generous last time I visited. Don't you remember? I do. I do. <laughs> and I only gave you one measly Robert Service book. <laughs> oh, that, but that meant the world to me. It's on my coffee coffee table right now. Oh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, because 
Um, for those listening, Terry also edits all the transcriptions from all the podcasts. Uh, so she takes the, uh, the AI, um, poor translations of what it thinks it hears and she corrects them. Uh, <laughs> she does this out of the, the, the kindness of her heart and, uh, of which I'm forever grateful for. And, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's yeah. the thing why she's still connected to this show in the way that she Yeah. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure because I really get a lot more out of the interviews doing that. And if we can just figure out what that little gremlin is that keeps on doing my editing, <laughs> the, things will be way better. But you know what I found? I, I discovered that I enjoy that so much that if I've edited a transcript and then, and then go to publish or whatever, and then the edits haven't, haven't updated, I, I kind of like, Oh, shoot, shoot. Well, with, you know, maybe the F, I don't know, F word. <laughs> anyway, but I just turn around and I just do it all over again because it's so, I, I used to be a medical transcriptionist and I just loved doing it. And this is, is kind of similar. But with having the transcript pre-written out, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of going in and listening and fixing as I go. But it's just, I, I really, I'm really enjoying it, despite the gremlins. <laughs> despite the gremlins. And again, like, I can't reiterate how much and how grateful I am for you offering to do that uh, for the show. And Oh, you're welcome. It's my, it's been a pleasure. And, and I call it my volunteer job because I, I don't really want to work at the, the hospital auxiliary thrift store. <laughs> uh, all right. So Terry, it's time for that question that you have no idea what's coming. It's the, uh, the ever mysterious mystery question number eight. So here it goes. Are you ready? I'm ready. If I showed up on your doorstep in my time machine and said, Hey, Terry, let's go. When and where would you go and why? Oh, yikes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you know what automatically came to my mind was the Beatles. I guess I would probably love to to meet the Beatles. Really? Yeah. That was the first thing that popped in my head. I'm not sure why. They're not even authors. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't be author related, though. But they have been such a huge part of, of our world. And even my world growing up. And to this day, they are the songs that I would go to to listen to. So okay. that would be the who, but what period of the Beatles? Well, probably just before they got famous. Oh, okay. So the cabin. Because if, if they were famous, you wouldn't get within two feet of them. Time machine supersedes all, all restrictions. Yeah. So that was a weird answer that I didn't even think would come up <laughs> well, that's funny because uh, one of the people i interviewed for season two her response was a certain concert in 1969 in upstate new york oh <laughs> yeah oh my god i just lost that word the yeah, yeah the big one yeah you oh. know, it's, uh, snoopy's uh, bird friend <laughs> <laughs> okay that this is what happens a lot when i'm conversing with somebody <laughs> Oh, Woodstock. There you go. Okay, I got it. <laughs> oh, man, that was hard. 
And that's why doing these interviews is so fun. <laughs> I, I'm in my head a lot. Uh, it's just the two of us now. Uh, my husband's retired, but he, he's uh, doing his own thing and I get some hours to myself and I'm in my head and I don't, some, some mornings I'll come out of the, of the second room where my, my table is desk and my voice will be croaky because I haven't spoken in hours. <laughs> so yes, missing words is, is part of being, well, getting older. I mean, I am proud to say I'm 61, but it's definitely, it can stop a conversation in its tracks. Much like what just happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is, is, he, is he gone? Is he gone? <laughs> I, I could say, that's it. It's over. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's fun. But, yeah, no. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be an interesting time and place to go to, you know. So, obviously, you know, early... What Liverpool or early London or or the capital yeah. in Germany before they got really really big? Yeah, somewhere in there. Before Ringo joined them or after Ringo? Oh, interesting. Because Pete Best was there first. Mm-hmm. Probably, I guess, probably with Ringo because uh, he, you know, he's part of the Beatles now, or you know. <clears throat> He's the one that most people remember, and most of the song, songs are with him. So I'd say, yeah. yeah. But you just popped off Pete Best's name, like, like as if it was ingrained in your mind as being I know. the Beatles, right? Well, so. It's funny. When, when I was in elementary school, I had a friend that always liked to, to put on plays and stuff. And apparently I, I was uh, the closest to not Paul McCartney, but, oh, my God, here it comes again. Uh, the other guy. George? <laughs> George, yeah. Harrison? If we were put on a play about the Beatles, I'd be George Harrison. And she'd always be Paul McCartney. Ah. So, yeah. I guess that the Beatles are, are definitely part of my childhood and and growing up. And that's probably why I, I, I like revisiting or trying to trying to rediscover who I was at that age. Like mm-hmm. they always say there's a certain age that you were your your true self before society got a hold of you. Oh, I'd hate to even think about that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad that we lose that, but there's ways to get back to it, and that was that's part of what Hidden Gems was too. My initial, my, one of my initial goals was to to make it kind of whimsical and a place where these older people could you know, play and, and be like, like, be young again. I don't think I pulled it off as much, but that was, that was one of the original ideas because they get, I mean, their announcements that they've won this house comes in this purple um, sparkly envelope with glitter and, and stickers and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of whimsy in it, but not unrealistic. Facebook, so there's always that. Facebook has a way of uh, bringing people together and bringing back old memories. And uh, of what you were saying about when you were a, a kid, there's a, a guy on Facebook who reminded me how 
when we were nine or 10 years old, we would put on concerts in his garage and we would dress up like members of the group Kiss. Oh my God. And his sister and her friends were our audience. <laughs> oh, that's superb. That My husband is a big Kiss fan. And I don't know if he ever dressed up, but like it's amazing that the the music music rock stars were a big influence as well. Like I don't know if it is as much now, but when we grew up, we were so lucky to have all those different groups. And when we say musicians, we mean real musicians. Anyway, <laughs> another story, another podcast. Um, uh, yep. Yeah, maybe interview a musician one time. Uh, well, actually, the upcoming episode is with, uh, he's a small press owner. He's a musician, writer. All, he's, he wears many, many hats. But yeah, he's a, I've listened to some of his music. It's fantastic. But that's for an upcoming show. And if you want to hear it, you'll have to listen in. Awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll edit it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on to uh, part two, which I love to call shameless plugging because this is really why I do what I do because there's a lot of authors out there like you and me and, and, a, and a slew of others who uh, don't really get the break that, uh, that I feel that they deserve. So this is a, an opportunity for them to come on, talk about what they do, why they love to do it, and where people can find the things that they do. Did that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really um, generous of you to do this because, like like we've all agreed, marketing is really tough and takes away from the precious writing time. So you having this inter these interviews to to let other people get to know these unknown lesser known authors it's it's really really appreciated i i really appreciate you taking the time so um yeah i've got four books published well let me ask a question first oh (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh dear i guess i know your interview yeah you you do you've been listening (laughs) to 32 of them uh okay so i will i will do the official uh, segue into this so this is the part where you get to shamelessly plug yourself without fear of embarrassment are you okay with that Say oh it. yeah okay question number one what works do you currently have in publication that the listeners can purchase and where can they find them they i have four i have four books published uh, the first was in 2015, and that was Arcadia Deception, and its sequel, Flight Control. They're they're both um, set in 2065, and it, those came about with a, a what if question: what, well, or what would happen to the helicopter parenting kids of today, or you know, the over parenting or whatever. Mm-hmm what would happen to them in 50 years because they'd be adults and, you know, if they don't. So anyway, it's, you know, it's got big sci-fi, you know, they, they go in heli cars and there's drones that deliver the packages and there's meals delivered directly to the apartments. Uh, but it's Arcadia is a, a big corporation that has, 
taking care of all these fearful people who are afraid to go out anymore. They play on the computers as their livelihood. Um, the corporations take care of them. And it all started because the CEO wanted to help renew the earth. So getting everybody to just stay inside all the time, the earth was able to renew itself and, and without human intervention. And that's kind of the background. So it, and it was, I threw everything into those stories. So they're pretty good. <laughs> kind of sounds like a merger between Amazon and uh, Meta. <laughs> yes. Yes. Arcadia. Arcadia is actually another word for a utopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it, I, I had lots of, you know, s- subtle, oh, I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Never minding. <laughs> yeah. And Tess is my third book. And that was set in Dawson City in 1905. And because the Yukon was our second home for six years over the summers, I had to write one set in Dawson and I set it after the gold rush because Dawson city was still a vibrant Edwardian type town. And that's with the 11 year old Tess uh, plucked from the booming little town of Vancouver to go way up to the Yukon with her mom. Her uncle's missing and presumed drowned and her dad's missing in the Boer war. And she meets this eccentric little 10 year old boy. And they have have great adventures, and it's kind of fast paced, and and for all ages, not just the young adults. And then my latest one is Hidden Gems, and it's a fun story, lots of characters, but I've managed to rein them in. And there's there's they don't know who their mysterious benefactor is. So of course, you know, in the back of their mind, they're wondering if you know, suddenly they're going to be taken down to a basement and tested on, or, you know, somebody wants a 70-year-old kidney or something. There's this one guy that that's the conspiracy theorist guy. So that's got humor and twists that that are kind of fun. And it's all my, all my books are mainly about friendship and family. Well, is there so, anything um, else in life? I know. Those are, those are ongoing themes that are, important to all of us so that's that's i just want to go i just want to go back and point out that uh it's it's amazing how those conspiracy theorists pop up everywhere (laughs) i know they should be writing books i mean they've got the imagination that i wish i had no they can just spin a tale like can't believe or can (laughs) (laughs) depending on your bend yeah i can't i can't believe i'm i i kind of Lean towards science. All and, right. So you've kind of so, already touched on this as well, but are you currently working on anything? And if so, how close to completion is it? Oh, well, it's um, when I say it out loud and to, in the public, it means I have to finish it now. Yep, you're committed. <laughs> but or should be. It's, it'll be the sequel to, to Hidden Gems. Uh, and I mentioned earlier that it's a bit easier because I now know the characters and, and how they'll react. So I'm, I'm still in the process of kind of playing around with, with the story and it should, I think it'll be fun too once I get into it. And I, I'm not going to rush through it either. It won't take three years, but I'm, I've got about, about 30,000 words so far. 
and room to grow, definitely, but not not overgrow. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, the next question is uh, is one that I, everybody gets asked, and it's the least favorite that anybody ever wants to answer because it's like picking your favorite sibling or child or whatever. So, is there one of your books which you are more particularly fond of, and why? Um, I would say Hidden Gems. It's my two daughters, two of my daughters designed the cover and it's, I, I really like it. It's colorful and whimsical and each of my books have been a family affair. They've designed each of the covers. Christy, Christy is the artist and Joanna is a graphic design artist. And I like the story. I'm in that age bracket now and we actually live in a 55 plus building. So yay, I I got over the wall. <laughs> Actually, we don't have a wall, but but it there is a sense of community here. We don't have a swimming pool or happy hours, but we do have you know coffee, coffee time once a month, and we've got the odd barbecue and stuff. But I feel like I belong, and so Hidden Gems has that feeling of belonging, like they're and they are they're kind of thrown together. They didn't know each other. They didn't know why they were chosen. But in in that circumstance, they all are coming together as becoming friends and not just neighbors. And that's also like if you could pick your neighbors, wouldn't it be fun to have a gated community filled with with your friends, your the ones that you would choose to live close to? You know, each has their own own place. But they didn't start up that way, did they? What's up? They didn't start out that way, did they? No, no, which is kind of neat. Throw them into that and they, they tend to, but there is, there is, um, there is a threat to their, to their little community, which brings them together. There has to be. Yeah. So without giving it away, I mean, there's obviously, you say they, they, they win a contest. They never knew that they entered. There's got to be an explanation somewhere. Is that? Oh yes, there is. is at that, the at the end. Yep. Fully explained in the first book, or partially? With oh, the, oh the yeah. Leftovers? Oh, in the in the first book, it's definitely explained. Oh okay. Yep. And I never saw it coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So here's the uh, here's the big uh, question. I remember the first time we went through the interview, you really didn't have a whole lot to say about this. Let's see if you've got any updates. Uh, where can people, where can people connect with you? Things like email, website, snail mail, blog, meta, formerly Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> I could go on. <laughs> yeah, that's a long list. And I have a website. You do? T- yeah, that's it. TALineman.wordpress.com. And there's, there's a, there's, I guess there's a way to contact, a link to contact me through the website. Okay. And it's, um, and it's talineman at hotmail.com as well. Okay. But my, I decided not to have an author page on Facebook because too many of, of my friends and my author friends have been having trouble with, uh, bots and trolls and stuff. Okay. And I decided I didn't want to have to deal with those. I, I'm protective of my Facebook page because I already got a warning. 
<laughs> what did you say? Did you do you remember me telling you about that? Yep. I we met on Canada Rights. Yep. A couple years ago. Yep. Well, because we're always on the road and Wi-Fi is spotty and will kick out kick me out the you know, at their whim. I was commenting on somebody's post and I I was telling them I, I read their book and I enjoyed it and I was gonna leave in a review on Amazon.com. Well, they took offense to that, not not the person I was commenting, but Facebook, because you can't put just Amazon.com. That's it's it has to be a specific link. Even if I don't even know if you're allowed to put links anymore. Yep. And I totally am blocked from Canada Rights now. I can't even find it on the internet. Or maybe I can, but I can't access it. Yeah. And at first I was devastated. I, I couldn't believe I, I'm a rule follower to the T. So anyway, I it was the best thing that happened because it got too big. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's part of the reason why I left the group. Well, not left the group, but I'm still a member, but I, I don't associate a whole bunch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So my books can be um, on Amazon and Kobo in paperback and ebook versions. Okay. And they're at the Okanagan Regional Library System and Ladysmith Library. And you can ask any Canadian library to order them in if you want. So. Yes, the lending programs. Yes. Yep. Yes. And that that's me. <laughs> well, Terry, thank you so much for agreeing to come on once again. And uh, Oh, my pleasure. Update and be a part of this again or still, I mean, because we know that you do so much for, for the show anyway. But um, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's always a pleasure uh, just even on Facebook or whatever. It's it's fun talking with you. I love to bounce ideas yeah. off you. And, and uh, so this is just an updated version of you now for the podcast. So thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Randy. This was a lot of fun. It was nice to talk to you again. And thanks for thanks for helping all of us um, lesser known writers and authors. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. You have been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will not only be speaking with Canadian authors and writers, I will also be speaking with those from the other side of the writing industry, editors, agents, and publishers, in the hopes of getting a better understanding of how it all works together. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and content. Send all your comments, suggestions, or any questions you'd like to have a guest answer to me at randy.dplpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. While there, look for the Buy Me a Coffee button to help support the podcast. Thank you for your time and your ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on.